Thank you so much for joining me on Teach Me How to Money. We're here with Holly Johnson. She's a frugal travel expert and the founder of Club Thrifty. Hey, Holly. Hey, how are you? How's it going? Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started Club Thrifty. Um, Well, my husband and I actually used to work in the funeral industry. He was a mortician and I worked in the office with him. And we did that for a long time. And while we still worked at the funeral home, we started our website, Club Thrifty. I think that was about 2011, kind of as a hobby and a way to document our financial progress. And I don't know why we did it, to be honest, and maybe make some (laughs) extra money, but... Um, I started freelance writing after that, and then I was able to uh, quit my job and write full-time and blog full-time in 2013, and then my husband um, quit his job in February of 2015 to do the blog full-time. So That's amazing. We are former funeral home people who now are bloggers. That's the most amazing story to go from, from funerals to, to travel, from, from dark to light. Yeah, pretty much. Well, so here's some questions. I know um, I spoke to a lot of people in the office. We all have questions for you. Do you think there's a difference between thrifty traveling and budget traveling? Um, I'm not sure if there's a difference. I do know that there's a difference between cheap travel and budget travel. Because I write about budget travel, which to me means getting a really great trip for a budget you can afford, which is different than cheap travel, which is like sleeping in hostels and staying at days ends and hotels you enter from the outside. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) motels, stuff like that. So like to me, budget travel isn't necessarily super cheap travel. It's travel that you can afford, that you've saved the money for, that makes sense with your budget. So that's what we write about. I think that's a great distinction because some people might think of budget travel as just what you were saying, you know, car camping or, yeah, you know, no. having, to put a, <laughs> having to put a chair under the doorknob. No, um, no, no. But you're saying um, that, no, that it just it doesn't have to have such a negative connotation. You can have a wonderful vacation just within your means is what yes, you're trying to write about. Exactly. And maybe if you have money to spend, instead of having a really nice vacation, you could have a spectacular vacation for a budget you would spend on, you know, what somebody else would spend uh, regardless. So it's about getting good value for your money. So here are some questions that um, I've gathered from, from the team and um, also for myself. How can people travel for less without haggling? I know some people feel really shy about it. They don't want to like they don't want to seem pushy, but they hear rumors like, "Oh, if you haggle, you can get a better price." What would you say to someone who's just not a haggler? Well, I don't think you have to ha- haggle, but the internet really is a treasure trove of information when it comes to like looking for the best price on hotels, Airbnbs, flights. There's so many uh, websites and tools that can help you figure out how to pay less for travel. Um, a lot of people use credit card rewards, travel rewards to get a lot of bang for their buck on their vacations. And that doesn't involve any haggling at all. It just Im- involves like research and time spent figuring out how to do it. Um, I would say you don't have to haggle at all if you're good at researching, if you're willing to read blogs and um, find out where the deals are at. So besides Club Thrifty, what are some of your favorite places to research and to find deals when you are getting ready to travel? Well, I um, it, it depends, but I use Expedia a lot. That sounds um, probably cliche, but Expedia is a good um, 
like basis to compare prices for. I always end up booking rental cars on Expedia because the prices are always the best. Um, oh, that's and, great. Yeah. So, I mean, that's easy to use too, but anything like that would work. Travelocity, um, you can also check Priceline, any of those travel ag- aggregators that let you compare prices um, for a bunch of different things are good. Um, I would say when I look for cheap flights, if I'm paying for flights, um, instead of using airline miles, I really like Google flights and you don't buy your ticket at Google flights. Google flights is just a search engine that lets you find the cheapest flight to destination you want to go to for your dates. And it's very easily searchable, but then you have to go buy the ticket with the airline. But I use Google flights all the time. I think that's such a great tip. So you mentioned something which I know is a big part of your site, which is um, how to use your credit cards to you know, maximize your vacations and your miles. What are, what are some good ways to use your credit card and what are some bad ways to use your credit card? Well, I think um, when it comes to travel rewards and airline miles and everything, the bad way to use it is to be in debt and pursue credit card rewards, which I used to think people who pursued credit card rewards we're debt free because I am, but I'm finding out more and more that there are a lot of people who carry a credit card balance at 17% interest and pursue rewards and think that they're doing themselves some big favor. So I would say that's the number one thing to keep in mind is that you shouldn't be in debt carrying a credit card balance if you're also spending on a credit card trying to earn rewards. That's the ultimate tip. It doesn't help you get anywhere, but it, it makes a lot of financial sense. It makes um, you feel like it, you feel like you're you're saving, but you're, yeah. you're really not. You know, but there's so many people that they don't care about the reality; they care about how they feel. So they sure. like, oh yeah, I got I, you know, I'm earning all these rewards, but they, you know, it's so easy to push credit card debt under the rug and think, you know, it's not a big deal. When really, if you're paying 17% APR and you have a card that earns like two percent, I mean, it doesn't take any crazy math to figure that out. Yeah, you're not getting a great deal of the no, end. No, <laughs> not at all. So, um, so that's the negative way to use credit cards yes. to travel. What, what, are, what are some positive ways um, that if you are debt-free to you use your credit cards? If you are debt-free, then you can set up your favorite rewards cards to pay regular bills you're going to pay anyway. Like, um, for example, we pay for health insurance, auto insurance, homeowners insurance, groceries, gas, the kids' gymnastics lessons, everything we can pay for with a credit card, we do. And then we just pay it off about once a week. Um, And that's the best way to do it. I think a lot of people get in the habit of, um, because you're incentivized with rewards, the more you spend. And so people are like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, get new furniture or something like that. But the best way to use credit card rewards to save money on travel is just to use them reasonably for things you are going to buy anyways, and then pay them off right away. I think that's great advice. Here's my next question. So say I'm planning a trip, uh, let's say to Europe. What is the best way to begin planning my budget? Well, whenever, for every trip that we do, I create like a budget. Um, I probably do it kind of backwards than most people do. I think most people would say I have $4,000 to spend and here I'm going to try to spend it. But I actually plan our trips and then budget afterwards Um, I basically go through every day and figure out how much I think we're going to spend on food, how much I think we're going to spend on excursions or activities that aren't covered with credit card rewards. And then 
added up. Now I'm mostly paying for um, all of our flights and hotels with credit card rewards. So our travel doesn't cost a lot, but for somebody who's paying for it, I would just be, make sure you're being realistic with yourself. Like you have to plan for your hotel, your airfare, your rental car, but what about gas, food, um, things you want to bring home with you, um, souvenirs, um, miscellaneous, there's a lot of things that crop up checked bags. I think you have to think through your entire trip and decide what you're actually going to spend, not what you wish you would spend. And that's that's how you stay on budget. Absolutely. There's so much that we, it's the not fun stuff. Like exactly like no one ever takes into account, you know, the cab to the airport or, right. Or, or every airline has a different checked bag fee, you know, or someone's going to, some of the kids are going to want a snack at the airport because they might not want the lunch you've packed. Yeah. And each of those things might be like $5 or $10 or $25 for a checked bag or whatever. But if you're taking a, you know, two week trip or a 10 day trip, that might be an extra thousand dollars or $800. I mean, who knows? Is there a, a different way that you know, or that you do for planning for a trip to Europe versus planning for a trip um, in the States? Um, I, I don't know. You can do either pretty much the same um, strategy, in my opinion. I would say that if you're going to plan a trip to Europe, you would probably want to focus on earning the airline miles to get there because it's considerably more expensive to travel abroad than it is to go somewhere in the United States that you can fly. So that's one big difference that I think. So you have children, correct? Yes. Yes. How do you travel with your kids and keep costs under control? Um, Like I mentioned, uh, when you're flying four people or however many people you have, it's a lot more expensive. So we go to Europe a couple of times a year, usually with the kids. And we always use airline miles because it's so expensive even to fly coach in June. Like we went to Italy this year, Italy and Greece. And, you know, our flights would have cost $1,500 each, which is $6,000. That's a huge amount of money just to fly somewhere and not even have a hotel or food or anything. But because we used airline miles, um, we had to pay the airline taxes and fees, which were like $600 for the four of us, which is still a significant sum of money, but it's very reasonable. So I focus on getting our flights covered. And then I try to cover um, like hotels or Airbnb type stuff with different type of travel rewards. And then the rest we mostly pay for, like food, um, stuff like that. So this is a question that, um, that my boss had. What if you're planning a trip with your family and someone gets sick? How can you get a refund or how can you cover yourself financially if you just can't take the trip and it's an emergency? Well, um, you should have a travel insurance policy. Like you can buy one most of the time when you book your trip or you can buy individual travel insurance policies. Like I have a, um, a annual travel insurance policy on our family through Alliance Travel Insurance, but you can shop around. There are a ton of different websites that offer, um, there are different kinds of policies. Like some you can cancel for any reason. Like if you plan your trip and you buy a cancel any reason travel insurance policy, you can cancel it because you don't feel like going. And then others like the one, like the policy that I have, you have to have a real reason, like an injury, illness, um, something tangible. And you have to get, do you have to get a note from a doctor? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never really used it. I hope to never, but yeah. I, I hope sure, you never. <laughs> I hope, I mean, I'm, I hope I never have to use it, but yeah, it has to be something real. 
So this is a question. So there's a lot of you know, a lot of sites out there. There's a lot of great ones, but there's also a lot of agencies. People see a lot of, you know, ads for cheap vacations, different things. How, what are some red flags that you would tell people to keep an eye out for when they're planning a trip? Well, I think um, if something seems too good to be true, it probably is. And I also think when the rules are super complex, um, people are, tra- they're trying to get something from you. Like, for example, uh, there's a- there are these Groupon getaways I'm sure you heard of the the Groupon that you buy to save money on things. Well, there's like yeah. a Groupon vacation website. And I look at it all the time and there's some deals on there, but there are usually a ton of red print of um, fine print. Like it'll say you can only go these certain dates. You have to fly out of these four airports in the United States. Um, and I don't think deals where there's a ton of stipulations usually work out in your favor. Absolutely. If you have to drive X amount of miles to get to the airport to get the deal, you're spending that money on gas and you're also going to be really bummed out by the time you get to the airport. Yeah. And a lot of them, like I said, have dates you can go. And most people need some flexibility in their vacation days and can't go on, you know, September 9th specifically like they might. So you you have to read the fine print. And if there's a ton of fine print, that's usually a bad sign. Also, they might want to sell you something, you know, that's not on season. Like you might not sure. want to go to Vail in, you know, early, in late spring. You know, right. of course, it's cheaper. Exactly. So, what, so have you ever had an experience where you had planned and budgeted and just everything went wrong? Um, I would say every time we go to Europe, we go a little over budget because <laughs> but some of it's like it's it's unplanned, but it's planned like you you get somewhere cool and the food's good and you want to go out and have fun. And, and sometimes that's okay. I, I think if you have the means to afford it, um, I wouldn't say I've ever had any, uh, any vacation plan specifically just get out of hand, but we've definitely spent more than we wanted on like food and fun. Have, since you started your blog, what have you learned from the people that have interacted with you? Like, have you learned any lessons from the people that read your blog every day? Um, one thing I would say that I've learned of people that read my website and that I interact with online is that people are really afraid to go places unless they know somebody who's been there. That's one thing that's really surprising to me because, um, my husband and I, maybe we're kind of adventurous, but we're perfectly fine. Just like picking a place somewhere else and booking a flight and then we'll Google whatever we want to know and just go. And yeah, it might be different, but it doesn't make us uncomfortable, but I would say the majority of people really have a lot of anxiety about leaving the United States and, and just don't even know how it works and they don't know where to start. And I think that's why they read, like why they follow travel influencers and why they read blogs is like to get the perspective of people who have been other places. And I think it helps them be like, okay, well they did it. They said, here's how you do it. And they told me these things to watch out for. And then, it makes them feel more comfortable, like they can do it too. So there is a bunch of ways that you can have a great time traveling that don't cost very much. Like I know that you can get a national parks pass sure. for like a very small annual fee. What are some other like amazing ways that you can have fun traveling that don't feel like budget? They just happen to be lower cost. Um, I would say my family and I, we do a lot of like cheap beach vacations where we rent a rental condo on the beach, like in Florida or the... Uh, Gulf Coast and Alabama. And those can be really cheap because um, 
we basically, the, my kids are seven and nine and they're, but ever since they were little, like they'll just play on the beach all day. Um, when you have a condo, you can make all your own meals or most of your own meals and save money that way. I think that sometimes the simple vacations like that can be a ton of fun. What are some things that often end up costing money that you hadn't thought of? You know, I know people talk about big hiring a babysitter or having to go to the doctor in the middle of a trip. What are some surprise things that you should add into your budget that you might not think about? Well, um, we talked about some surprises like food, transportation to and from the airport, checked bags. Um, one thing that has really happened to me in the last year, and I knew this, but I, it still has caught me off guard. We adopted a dog from the animal shelter last uh, December, and it was free because it was like a five-year-old pit bull. But I, every time we <laughs> go somewhere, I have to pay like $40 a day for somebody to watch the dog. So sometimes on like a three week trip, it can be like $700. Yeah. People never take, people don't take pet care, yes. you know. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is the most expensive free dog I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, she's totally worth it. And I could probably do it cheaper if I wanted to, but you know, stuff like that, I would say having somebody mow your grass, take care of your house. It depends on how long you're traveling too. Like some of these things are a consideration. I think that's really important. Just the things that are happening back at your house while you're away, yeah. you might not think to budget for that, but that is a part of it. Uh, airport parking is another w big one too. Like um, at my airport in Indianapolis, it's $9 a day, but we've been in airports around the U.S. where it's like $20 a day for the cheapest lot. So if, you know, if you're going somewhere for 10 days, all of a sudden it's you know 200 bucks plus your first day. So that can definitely add up. So... Um, People probably always ask you, you know, what are your favorite travel hacks? And it seems like, you know, the way you do things are, are, are pretty sensible. You know, you, you use your credit card the right way. You know, you don't carry a balance. You, you don't look for a lot of fine print. Um, is there any travel hack that you would tell a friend? Like, listen, if you're going to do this, do that. Um, I would say one of my best tips, and I think nobody ever listens to this, but I think this is the best travel tip if you want to save money on travel, is don't get super, super, um, don't have your heart set on a specific destination because there are always sales, um, uh, cheap airfare, hotel deals randomly. But if you decide like, Hey, I'm going to Hawaii and I want to go to Maui, you're going to be limited to whatever deals you can find at Maui. But what if you said, I want to go to Hawaii or the Caribbean? Well, then all of a sudden you can find, a lot more deals. You can search around for the cheapest airfare to a bunch of different islands. And ultimately, you'll get a better deal. I just know so many people like get their heart set on this very specific vacation that they want, and they miss out on other good deals and finding out about new places too. So here's my last question. So I was looking on Club Thrifty, and I see that you guys talk a little bit also about retirement and about budgeting and investing. So I know that it's not just about travel. It's just about having you know, a holistic budget for the rest of your life. Yes. So how did you learn to do all that? Um, I would say learning through doing. Actually, I think the funeral industry taught us a lot about the kind of life that we wanted because we worked a lot of hours. We made a decent income, but we were kind of um, living the keeping up with the Joneses lifestyle where we spin it all. And honestly, just watching people die all the time, especially when people died young or 
or even died like as soon as they retired, we just started thinking like, gosh, we want more out of life than this. We don't want to work until we die. We don't want to have 15 days of vacation for the rest of our lives. And it really made us think long and hard about the way we spend our money and the kind of life that we wanted to live. So it's all part of it. Like you can travel all you want, but if you spend all your money, you're going to pay for that later because you're not saving for retirement. But with the right kind of plan, a holistic plan, like you said, maybe you could do it all. Maybe you could travel and, and save for early retirement and live a debt-free lifestyle. Those are all things that we really think are important to be happy. If you could give some advice to somebody, because you know someone's probably listening to this and been like, oh my goodness, I have this day job, but I wish I was doing blank. How did you guys get up the courage to to make that big move to you know take the the financial risk um, to blog or to to blog to to leave you know to leave your job at, the, at the, you know at the funeral home and then your husband did like how did you guys have the courage like what you talked about how you saw the kind of life you wanted and the kind of life you didn't want but what advice would you give to someone who wants to do what you did in a different way? Well, I think it happened very gradually for us because I didn't quit my job until I was earning as much as I was at my job, blogging and freelance writing part-time. So I was making $38,000 a year at my old job, which is not a lot, but I was also doing $38,000 a year in blogging and um, freelance writing. I got to the point where I was basically replaced my income and then I quit my job. So I think a lot of people want it to happen quickly, but it took more than a year for me to do that, which is still pretty fast. And then uh, my husband, we didn't let him quit his job until three and a half years ago when we were making a lot more money because I didn't want to struggle like to 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 meet all our financial goals. It requires money. I didn't want to live on a shoestring budget and eat ramen. I wanted, we have two kids. So like, <laughs> we, built, we built up the website in my writing career enough so that it was fine. And in terms of having the courage, like you really just have to bet on yourself. You really do. Like a lot of people think a regular nine to five job is like this security, but you're just one layoff away from, from losing that and having to start over. And I wanted to bet on myself and not on an employer. Well, I think that's great. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Tell um, tell our listeners where they can learn more about you or follow you or learn more about budget travel. Well, my website is clubthrifty.com and all my social media is at clubthrifty, which is like Twitter, Pinterest, Facebook, on all the regular ones. Well, it's been a pleasure and I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Teach Me How to Money. Send us your questions at teachmehowtomoney at stashinvest.com and we'll try to answer them on a future episode. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review on the iTunes store, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't have Stash yet? Just go to stashinvest.com slash podcast and you can get $5 to get you started on your investment journey. Stash, it's your money, simplified. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute a recommendation from Stash to the listener. 
Neither Stash nor any of its officers, directors, or employees makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of these statements or any of the information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Stash, and Stash is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of advice by Stash to the listener, nor to constitute such a person a client of Stash.